For those about to hunt dinosaurs, we salute you. We're playing Two Rock Dinosaur Hunter on Ultra 64. There's like five people out there who are loving that reference right now. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. My name is Steve Gunling. I'm Woody Siskowski. Uh, and each week we play through another randomly selected game in the Nintendo 64 catalog. Yeah, how's 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 life? How's things going? Great. I uh, I was really excited not to play a bowling game. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. It was going to be bowling or hockey, and I'm like, Steve, can we can we skip forward for do do hockey later? I, yeah. I couldn't take the one two punch of bowling and then hockey. I, I feel like I want to do something fun with the hockey games just because I think they're going to be all kind of similar. I think we ought to get some kind of goofy with it, but we'll we'll think of something to do. But either way, we played Two Rock Dinosaur Hunter. This this is a big one. This is one of the biggest. Uh, third-party franchises, I would say, for the Nintendo 64, and uh, pretty synonymous for, with the system. Probably, the, I, would, I mean, we talked about it, is four Turok games for the Nintendo 64, yeah, which yeah. is probably more than any non-sports franchise on the system, right? That, like, yeah, okay. yeah, that might be, actually. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's more than there were Mario parties. There were, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So this was a pretty big uh, big deal. Uh, I mean, chances are most people have played that. For whatever reason, I missed this one. Uh, this is just kind of a blind spot for me. I think I played Two Rock 3 at some point. It was like a blockbuster rental, and it was kind of getting a lot of hype at the time. I liked that one well yeah. enough. Um, this is a pretty nifty little game, actually. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this here. So... Two Rock Dinosaur Hunter. It was released on March 4th, 1997. It was developed by Iguana Software and published by Acclaim. Our old buddies at Acclaim That's are right. back. We talked about Acclaim with the Extreme G, so if you need a refresher, mm -hmm. go listen to Extreme G. Yeah, we won't talk about them too much, but uh, we'll say this was meant to be a launch title for the Nintendo 64. Uh, it wound up being a little buggy, and they had to push it back for some quality concerns. Uh, which I think was a good move. Yeah, good I, move. It, it plays real smooth. It actually does. Um, so they just pushed it back to March, and it also gave them a little bit of a window to uh, promote it and market it. So let's go in. We've we've talked about Acclaim. Um, Iguana was a small imprint that Acclaim bought. Um, they only lasted from 1991 to 1999, but they had a really, really prestigious run. So they kind of cut their teeth making... I mean, these games we make fun of a lot, but they're actually pretty solid platformers. They did Arrow the Acrobat and Zero oh, okay. the Kamikaze Squirrel, which, you know, we make fun of them because they're stupid generic platformer games. But as far as stupid generic platformer games go, those ones are pretty good. Okay. I mean, yeah. sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, take my word for it. Um, yeah, you don't need to play them or anything. No, no, no. They, uh, yeah, they cut... They, they were making those games. And, uh, I think um, they did the NBA Jam games for... Uh, they did NBA Jam as well, Nintendo absolutely. Uh, so they were acquired by Acclaim uh, in uh, 1999... No, before 1999. Well, yeah, 96. Yeah. They were acquired by Acclaim, and uh, yeah, they had a pretty good run on the Nintendo 64. They would make all the Turok games. They made South Park, which is also a Turok game. Um, it's pretty much an identical oh, okay. clone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Iggy's Wrecking Balls, Forsaken 64, and uh, as you said, the NBA Jam series. So they, they had a good turnout. Um, so... Let's go into what what is Turok. Yeah, let's talk about Turok the character. So I mm. learned, I thought that he this was 
This was his most well... He's a strange character where yeah. his most well-known appearance is as a video game character, but, but that's not old his... character. It's not his original appearance. No. Yeah, he's originally a comic book character, right? He's a comic book character that originated in 1954. So this one has been around for a while. So, okay, when it first started, it came out on the imprint called uh, Dell Comics, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and the license was acquired in 1993 by Valiant Comics. Do you read any Valiant Comics? No, but I'm guessing just from the description, it <clears throat> sounds like a very 90s uh, sort of <laughs> badass indie Witchblade-esque you are comic. Not, you are not wrong. Um, they were... I'm sure an, Todd McFarlane has his... Uh, or Rob Liefeld has his hands in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they were an offshoot of Marvel originally. They, well, they weren't an offshoot of Marvel. They were made by defectors from Marvel. Okay. Jim Shooter and a couple other people they founded the studio. Uh, and they were pretty well known, or they're getting well known in the early 90s, because they had characters like Exo Manowar, Bloodshot, and Shadow Man, which uh, is another... Uh, N64 game that we'll be playing later. Did they have... I'm just curious, and I want to ask you, do you know anything about Magnus Robot Fighter? No. Oh, okay. I, I don't know, because if... I'm always... First off, I'm always trying to bug listeners to write in, because no one writes in. Yeah, which, we, want, we want your... Ultra64podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, write in. Write in and tell me about Magnus Robot Fighter. <laughs> what was his deal? Why did he fight robots? And was he in some way related to Turok Dinosaur Hunter? That I, one I don't know. Okay. Carry they, on with Turok. I, I will say Valiant has a great series uh, called Quantum and Woody, which is also an excellent name for when you want to do your spinoff podcast with my dog. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. Um, any day now. You I'm can use probably that. probably not going to do that, Steve. <laughs> you know how I feel now. about your dog. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> hates my dog. Um, so, okay. Acclaim bought Valiant Comics in 1994. Okay. They just bought them outright, and they changed their name to Acclaim Comics. Uh, and they bought Iguana shortly after that. And this was all part of an, a concerted effort on the part of Acclaim to build their own games in-house. So so was there a period where Acclaim was publishing comics? Uh, yeah, or, yeah, there oh. was. Yeah, yeah, they owned the Turok comics. And they, uh, uh, yeah, I think they owned all the Valiant licenses for a okay. little while. I think they let them kind of languish a little bit, uh, the ones that they couldn't turn into video game properties. So it was just basically Turok and Shadow Man. All right, so I guess the takeaway here from here is there is more money in making video games than there is in making comics. Apparently there I was. I believe. Uh, and maybe not even that much in video games because Acclaim in 1996 was struggling. Mm -hmm. This Turok was kind of a make-or-break game for them, so they went all in. They bought this comic book company so they could start licensing these characters in-house. They bought Iguana so they could start handling some of the development. Uh, now, the people at Iguana had never done a first-person shooter before. They'd never done a game like this, or a 3D game at all. So this was totally new for them. They were all pretty young and pretty inexperienced. Um, and uh, so the previous year, in well, okay, in 1996, uh, Acclaim had lost $222 million. Uh, because by this point... We we discussed them a little bit on Extreme G. Acclaim has kind of a reputation for cranking out like crappy ports of well-known properties, um, and they had that reputation back then too. And their sales were hurting, and people weren't really interested in their games, and they had this toxic reputation. So if Turok wasn't a hit, they would have had to fold well before they actually did. Uh, but luckily, this was a hit. I mean, um, how could it how could it not be a hit, Steve? I mean, let's talk about Turok the character. Turok is. Mm -hmm. So I guess sort of this Native American spirit guardian yeah. who patrols the sort of 
portal realm that separates time and space. Yes. And so he, there's sort of different, through the different Turok games, there's actually different characters who are Turok. Yeah, it's a, it's a hereditary title. Right. Um, passed down from the oldest in each tribe. So Turok's name is actually Talset in this game. That's his actual name. And Turok is his title. But you wouldn't know that because the only time you ever hear him speak it's to shout at the heavens when he comes back from the dead, I am Turok! So, and, I mean, it's, it's a pretty awesome premise because it essentially allows, since, you know, there's a place beyond time and space, you're mm. essentially get this mix of dinosaurs that have... Um, Rocket launchers on the back, yeah. and this big... Um, these come later in the game. We we got through about the first level, but I played it earlier with uh, cheat codes enabled <laughs> and just cheated through some of the various levels to get a taste of the weapons and stuff. And yeah, so there's dinosaurs um, who shoot lasers, and um, you get a huge variety of weapons. It starts out pretty generic. You get a knife and a bow at the mm. beginning, um, but soon you know you get a shotgun with explosive shells, and then you get these giant laser weapons that sort of nuke the whole screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's a really cool sort of pulpy setting and aesthetic. Yeah, um, I, I like it. I mean, uh, I, I I think they don't put a lot of emphasis on the plot in the game. Like, there's no like intro cutscene or anything. They just drop you into it, so you don't really know. Why? I mean, for a game called Turok Dinosaur Hunter, it's a little while before you encounter any dinosaurs. That's true. And I guess the overall premise is somehow you're fighting this guy named the uh, Campaigner, Campaigner, I think is his name. And it's his hope to collect these various chronoceptor pieces, mm-hmm. which will essentially, I don't know, when he gets them together, the unit will destroy the universe or some shit. It's it's, uh, it's to be able to control... It's a weapon that can control time. Ah, yes. So, uh, which is... Kind of what's already happening in this, uh, what's it called? It's called The Forbidden Zone, I think. No, The Lost Land. The Lost Land. And the Forbidden Zone was a weird movie. That uh, was a, yeah. By Oingo Boingo. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got those confused. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They're, they're so similar otherwise. I mean, there was a lot of Oingo in Turok, just not a lot of Boingo. Yeah, well, the so. music in this game is sweet. Um, it is. It, it it's has... like this constant driving, like, jungle drums. Yeah. But it somehow doesn't really, it doesn't get tedious, actually. No, it's pretty exciting, and there's a lot <clears throat> of uh, jungle sound effects in that as well. Um, you know, Which, dinosaur. okay, I do have to have okay. some qualms with that because there's constantly saber tooth tiger and dinosaur sounds mm. around you so you can't really tell when something's about to actually be attacking you and when it's just part of the soundtrack so i was always turning around like ah okay. saber tooth tiger ah, ah. that's fair um i kind of um we've sort of got in a game here do you have any more boring facts to share with us i have or? interesting facts to share oh with good you. so we're done with the boring ones so this was the uh 32nd highest grossing game on the entire system when it was all okay. said and done it sold 1.5 million copies spawned three sequels on the nintendo 64 and an additional two off the system this was the first uh console first person shooter i mean this kind of gets lost in the conversation is that true i don't think that's true i think it might didn't be. hexen come out before this i think hexen came out a little after this oh okay wait hold on i think well, there's a do- there's Doom for Super Nintendo. Right. Oh, that's, that's true. A, I that's mean, that's true. a port of a PC game. Maybe what you're thinking is this is like the 3D. first... Like 3D, yeah. And there's Super Noah's Ark. Have you ever played Super oh Noah's Ark? Oh, my God. Ark, which is a Doom port but uh, for the Super Nintendo, but it's Bible-themed. That's so, so weird to me that that game is so groundbreaking. <laughs> like, it's such a terrible game. So, okay, I, I might be off base on this I, one. I think but, yeah. maybe what you're thinking is this was... 
it's certainly very early, if mm -hmm. not the first um, first person shooter that was developed for a console. There was a PC version of Turok that came out, I think, a little later. Yeah, it came out. But it was Windows, definitely yeah. developed with the Nintendo sixty four in mind. That's yeah, that's that's a better way of putting it. And it was it was the first I don't know I don't know. I think it was the first console exclusive first person shooter to get really popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it kind of paved the way for GoldenEye to come out later this year and just kind of blow it up. Sure. The thing that this one's lacking that GoldenEye had is the multiplayer aspect yeah. of it. And I do think GoldenEye controls just a little better. Well, they I mean, control different. Yeah. Um, they, they're sort of inverted. Um, this In Turok, you use the C buttons to move, so you can step left, forward, and left. Uh, forward and left. Yeah. You know, you can go in the different directions using the C buttons and you aim with the stick. Yeah. Which I actually think is a more intuitive way to play because it allows you to aim more precisely than with GoldenEye where you have to aim with the C buttons. Yeah. But it's still, it's very hand bending, especially when you have to jump. This game has, it, uh, it has enough platforming that it's annoying. Um, the platforming is a problem. Because um, what you're essentially having to do is I like to look where I'm walking. So I'm needing to look down yeah. with the stick, walk forward with the top C button, and then jump with R. Um, and it's really hard to land these jumps. It's a literal um, leap of faith every single time. Because, yeah, I mean, and the, the jumps are fairly forgiving. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of height. I mean, sometimes it doesn't look like you'll be able to make this jump, but you totally can. Yeah, um, and I think, I mean, GoldenEye, in some ways I feel like this game is more precise within GoldenEye. There's still a lot of auto-aim. Um, and a lot of it just maybe I came up with GoldenEye. Like, I, I didn't play this one, and I played oh, a lot of well, GoldenEye, no, so I that's... Feel like yeah. GoldenEye is smartly much more forgiving. Like, it gives yeah, you more yeah. auto-aim. There's not a lot of things on different <clears throat> elevations, and GoldenEye has no platforming. Like, you can't jump in... Can you jump in GoldenEye? I forgot. I don't remember. I don't yeah, think I think so. you can. I think you can. Like you jump. Okay. It's well, it's a very because I know you use the R button to aim. aim like that's where right. you get your target target reticle. But yeah, it certainly doesn't come up very often. Um. So yeah, and that's that's a frustrating thing about this game. I feel like Turok. It's pretty close to being almost like a capital G great game on this system. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's the kind of game you could really get into if you're into this sort of old style of shooter um the sound is good it's it's very violent um but it, in a, in very a, violent there's yeah, a, i was very way. i was surprised the first time i shot a guy uh he's grabbing at his neck while there's like jugular spray coming <laughs> off it it's <laughs> it takes him a while yes. to die like he's like struggling and not dying and just grabs him as throat. I'm like yeah that's and pretty uh that's pretty awesome that Nintendo allowed that and the characters the character <clears throat> I mean it's cool when the guys are running at you quickly and you shoot them and they just sort of fall forward ah yeah and yeah it's and the weapons have a good satisfying kick um to them that you get tech you were a fan of the tech arrows that explode when you Those shoot them with the, yeah with the, the weapons bow. are fun to use yeah. um yeah it's pretty easy to cycle between and you know, the not having a way to precisely aim or have a targeting reticle is a bit of a bummer, but... I think you made the very astute observation that oh, if you yeah. turn on the map, uh, mm. which overlays directly over your screen, your sort of little location arrow sort of stays in the center of where you aim, so you can use it as a targeting reticle, which worked pretty well. That was, works. That works if idea. you want to do that. And uh, But the shooting is forgiving enough, yeah. I think. Like, if you're shooting in the general direction, you're going to hit them. Uh, which gives it kind of an arcadey like punch to it, and it makes it. It's very fast moving. It's very fun. Uh, it was one of the first games to have like this big open world hub, mm -hmm. 
uh, you can kind of explore at your leisure. And there's there's give and take with this because a big open world environment on the Nintendo 64 means our favorite thing ever, fog. Ooh, and Turok, he suffers from severe nearsightedness. Very, it very nearsighted. Brutal. It's real, yeah. real foggy, which is just. I mean, I, I feel like it's a it's a unavoidable limitation of the era. I mean, it's just kind it, of. There was um, this game actually had a re-release on Steam about two years ago, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and a sort of remastered port where they cleared up a lot of that fog, and I think that has pros and cons to it. One of the reviews I read of that is because you can see guys so much far... The fog in some way makes the game more exciting, because yeah. dudes come out and they're right in front of you. Um, and so in this later port, when they cleared that up, um, you can see guys way farther away before they see you mm-hmm. and shoot them, so it made it easier. Um, so I don't have a problem with the fog from that combat standpoint. The real issue I have with it is it makes it really easy to get lost. You can get very, um, very lost. Yeah, and uh, the map doesn't really help. If you overlay the map, it kind of paints in the lines, like in kind of a vector graphics, showing you where you've been. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily help when you have to backtrack. And there's a lot of things here where you just sort of step into a portal, mm-hmm. and it will send you to another area of the map, but there's no giant overworld map. Right. So you don't know where it sent you, really. Um, and it was okay. We didn't miss anything on our first go through we got all the keys but i feel yeah. like if you were in a situation where you had just not seen a key or walked past or maybe in the later levels they get harder to find right and you're like what key am i missing and now you have to run back through all these levels and it's just, the map is not useful and so that's that's what i find frustrating about this game is i think it all of the fundamentals mm. to be awesome are there yeah um yeah definitely but i think if you I have, a, I have a very bad sense of direction in both real life and video games. <laughs> um, and so if you were to get lost, I mean, they're just jungle environments. They all look kind of the same. Yeah. Um, and you, you would get really confused. And um, this game also seems, I don't know, this is me just making an assumption. This game seems really hard. Um, we were just going through the first level. Um but you have limited lives, which yeah. is always sort of a throwback to weird things. I don't know, weird old school things. It took people a long time to sort of just realize, hey, yeah, the N64, they hadn't realized yet that, hey, lives are dated. We don't need we're these still, anymore. Yeah, we're still sticking to the arcade framework. Of, yeah, you know, we need to get the kids to pull more quarters and, in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and the checkpoints are, and save points in this game are pretty few and pretty far between. Um, so I think there was probably a good... 10 minutes of gameplay between when you would have saved and when we died. Yeah. And so you would have had to go back through all of that mm-hmm. um, because we lost two lives. And then your amount of lives are saved. Um, I think your ammo is saved. So I could see yourself getting into weird situations where you're running around with no lives and no ammo and yeah. being like, how the fuck am I supposed to get past this? Um, and there's a lot of levels in this game. Again, I know this from cheating my way through. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's like eight levels in the game. Um, yeah, you have to get these keys to unlock new levels and portals. And um, the boss, the dinosaur boss at the end, um, and then the Chrono Master who launches missiles at you from all over, they get pretty hard. Like, I turned off invincibility for a little bit, and I had infinite ammo and all the powerful guns, and, like, they still killed me a couple times. Okay. So... I, another, hey, write in, listeners. Um, Let have us you know. ever Is beaten Turok Dinosaur Hunter? Because I have a sneaking suspicion that no one's ever beaten this game. I, mean, I know that that's not true. I mean, I am someone who... I feel like, yeah. 
Um, I feel like we all have like cool memories of like playing this at the beginning and being like, this is sweet. Yeah. And then you get to the point where you're like, I don't really feel like backtracking for all these keys. And yeah. I mean, I feel like everybody has those one, when you're growing up, you have that one weird game, you know, like, I mean, if you're like me, I didn't grow up with very many games. I mm-hmm. had like three or four and me and my sister would just play them to death. Yeah. So I've beaten the Stargate game for Genesis okay, like okay. 80 million times. Uh, I've beaten Sonic yeah. 1 80 million times. Yeah, and that's true. And I guess this is the first this is the first game we've played in a while, probably since Banjo-Kazooie, yeah. that I think has a level of quality that actually justifies getting into it. I know, when you're a kid and yeah. you don't own shit, you just play whatever crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but at least if you had this, you're like, wow, this game was actually pretty cool. I got really into it. I, yeah, I feel like this one was fun enough that I probably would replay it, but it also strikes me as a type of series that, and I haven't, like I said, I haven't really played the series much, yeah. but it strikes me as one that would get better each time. Like, yeah. uh, I could see a lot of room for improvement as a good, as a prototype. This is like super promising and like really fun. And, uh, I think it's legacy got kind of tarnished eventually. So there were three more sequels for the N64. Like we said, there was another one for Game Boy Advance or uh, Game Boy Color, yeah. which was, uh, Basically just a port of this, except it was Game Boy, so it was two-player. Or, no, it wasn't two-player, it was uh, side-scrolling. Um, well, I feel like saying a port of this, but side-scrolling yeah. is not, it's super weird. But it's the same it the game, same, it's, the same, it's the same basic thing. You walk through, you collect seven pieces, you fight the campaign or whatever. That's one of the, the strangest things, is when they are in the market of porting... Um, they, they don't really have to do that anymore, but no. it was a strange era of, like, during Game Boy Color, where on one side you had Nintendo 64 and PlayStation, and you had Game Boy Color, yep. which is about as powerful as maybe an NES, maybe mm-hmm. a little more, and so they're trying to port, like, Banjo-Kazooie games, or, like, um, Just things Jet that Force Gemini, yeah. and they're like, hey, let's put it on Game Boy Color, and <laughs> you get these really... I don't know, things that have no correlation The, the, to the smart ones know to just, like, make it its own thing. Like, make it a weird puzzle game. Make it something different. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so they did that. Um, I think the series finally officially died with uh, Two Rock Evolution in 2002. That was for PS2. It mm-hmm. came out. It, it was a uh, huge bomb, critical and commercial failure. In fact, I remember this very distinctly. I used to read Electronic Gaming Monthly all the time. And they named their Worst Game of the Year award after the main villain from Turok Evolution. His name was Tobias Bruckner. (laughs) He was a uh, super racist cyborg uh, uh, confederate general who rides a dinosaur. Yeah, they just, they singled him out as like an emblem of bad game design. I've actually played this game a little bit. Turok Evolution. Because I went through a bad game kick. It's terrible okay. it's fucking garbage they did a reboot of Turok though right there was there was a, there was a reboot 360 yeah it came out in 2008 uh and it was a little better received but the series has been dead ever since then even in comics so uh valiant comics relaunched in 2012 under their own label and they've they've been putting out really good comics actually like uh they really really high quality stuff so do they have Turok back they brought Turok back and it only lasted 12 issues uh, it's, so the series has been completely dead since 2015 um i want to see i want to see a Turok movie like i yeah. know I, I know that like certainly not a high standard of quality for video game movies but I feel like this series is pulpy and just intrinsically dumb enough yeah. that I would be okay with just some dumb movie. 
I mean, uh, it seems like it would be fun. You never know. Valiant actually signed a uh, multi-picture deal with Sony to start bringing some of their properties to the big screen. So, I imagine we'll probably see a, uh, a Shadow Man movie before we see a Two Rock movie. Okay, that'd be my guess. Because uh, that comic's back as well. Or maybe Bloodshot. Maybe uh, Archer and Armstrong is a fun one if you ever read that. It's about an ancient, immortal Celtic warrior. Uh, who teams up in the modern day with a uh, religious fundamentalist assassin who's been raised inside like a, a, a right wing amusement park? Holy cow! It's nuts. It's really okay. fun. What's, give me the title one more time. Archer and Armstrong. All right, that sounds. It's good. it's kind of it's a reboot of an old '90s series, but it's it's really fun and goofy. And Quantum and Woody is actually fantastic. It's okay. super funny. Um, yeah. So that is uh, Turok. Do we have anything else to say about Turok? Well, let's move on. Let's move on to our list. Yeah. Um, I feel like as like this is we, we we went through a little bit of dry spell playing some crap, some, some yeah. Glover, some Castlevania, some bowling games. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this this game is much better than those. And I, I'm curious. You always make me go first on the list, so I'm curious where you're going to put this on your list. Well, let and, me try and bring up my list okay. because uh, so as a reminder to new listeners, um, we keep a running ranking of games as we play them, just so we kind of know where we stand. Uh, and currently, the number one game for both of us is Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. And currently, the very bottom of the barrel game for both of us is Super Bowling. Sure. Uh, and then there's some variations in between. So, that can't be right. My number two game is Extreme G. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. Wow. We really have not played very many good <laughs> games. I mean, Extreme G is fine. So, yeah, I would say pretty soundly Turok is my new number two game after after Banjo-Kazooie. Okay. Um, so, I, I, I don't know if I need to defend that terribly. No, but, I don't yeah. think so. I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of game here, and yeah. there's a lot of pretty decent quality game. Like I said, if you were willing... If you decide what I really want to do is play old school shooters on the mm-hmm. Nintendo 64. Oh, I guess I should say, I feel like the problem with this game mostly comes from the system itself. The controller is just is hard. It's, it's not very precise. And even though yeah. the game runs smoothly, the amount of fog is rough. And It's yeah. still, you have to give it props for being pretty groundbreaking for what they were trying to do. And for how successful they were with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also got to kind of love an underdog story to a degree. The fact that Acclaim was kind of banking everything on this sure. being successful, and it was, but, I mean, they still kind of sucked, but it's still a nice underdog story. Yeah, and you know. my, um... All right, well, let's talk about me and my list. Um, All about I, you. Yeah. All, every time. Uh, my number two, I think, was Gauntlet Legends. It um, is, yes. Which, I think... Yeah, I'll also put this... I'll put this ahead of Gauntlet Legends. Yeah. Um, Gauntlet Legends, you know, has the advantage of being a four-player, which I think I would be more likely to spend more time playing, but I think Tarak is a much better game. Yeah, um, yeah. That definitely has some old-school charm. If you're into this kind of game and you want to relive some early shooters... Yeah, um, you could do worse. You no, you, worse. I mean, it... I, yeah, I mean, it's this is the second-best shooter series on the N64, like... Goldeneye is probably the best, and then yeah. Tarot games well, are pretty good. So Perfect Dark. Oh, yeah. Perfect Dark. All right, I'm that. making big claims. We haven't gotten yeah, those games, we yet, haven't. so I should wait. But I also, but, I haven't played Perfect Dark in a long time. Okay. I don't know if it holds up. I know Goldeneye holds up. Yeah. But um, anyway, that is our episode this week. As always, you can check in with us at ultra64podcast.com. We have all of our rankings on there. We have all of the links to all of our episodes, all the nifty, cool stuff like that. And uh, you are definitely going to want to tune in for these next couple weeks. I think there's just we're in the middle of a really good run of games with a really kind of unbelievable run of guests. 
I'm not even going to spoil who our guest next week is, just Whoa. just so I don't jinx things okay. and like schedules don't work. But regardless, we have a very cool, very special guest calling in from Hollywood, California. Whoa. Spoiler alert! Uh, and uh, they're going to be Ron talking. Perlman? It's Ron Perlman. It's, Ooh, all it's, right. It's Hellboy himself. It's it's Son of Anarchy. Perfect. I'm excited. <laughs> I will be here be for called. the special Ron Perlman episode <laughs> next week. Uh, and Ron Perlman will be joining us to talk about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Not just one. Not just two. But one, two, and three. We're talking three Tony Hawk games for the price of eight Tony Hawk games. We're going to be charging you guys for this podcast oh, from now on. We'll talk about that later. But tune in next week. Okay, we've got that coming up. If for whatever reason that doesn't work, then we're playing Mortal Kombat. If oh. for, for whatever reason that doesn't work, we're playing Pokemon Snap. Oh, all my favorites are back. We have amazing run of games coming up, guys. So now is the time to tune in. And you know what? If you're just tuning in, listen to that bowling episode. It's really funny, and I, you probably don't want to listen to it because it's about bowling. But but Steve does a weird uh, German hillbilly. Voice. I do a weird German bondage hillbilly, and uh, it's it's completely bizarre. And it was it made me chuckle. So thank you all for uh, tuning in. I guess we'll see you never because we're the podcast. a podcast. We can't see you, but thank you for listening. I'm Steve Gunley. I'm Woody Still. He's still Woody. He's still Woody. All right. All right. See you later. Bye.